I will talk about the uh, aspects of this particular method now so that you have an understanding of its purpose and its benefits. And after I have done that, you can ask some questions about whatever you have done or not done during this uh, period of the guided meditation. First of all, this method is often given the name of Vipassana, which is a misnomer. Vipassana means insight. It's a Pali word, and it has a very strict meaning in the Buddhist terminology. It should not be called that. It is often called sweeping, which is fine, except if you get the idea that you need a little broom then, of course, it isn't. It's not easy to find the um, proper name. It should be called Vedana Nupasana, which is Pali and a little difficult to say, which means mindfulness of feeling. It could be called that. But I think what we'll do in order to make it short and easy, we'll call it sweeping and it has been often called that, and it's nothing wrong with that name. However, to call it Vipassana is totally misleading. Insight is something which is the goal of all meditation, and whether you're going to get insight from this method or not, well, that's up to each one of us, isn't it? I hope we do, but there's no guarantee. It's a method which can be construed to have been mentioned in the uh, discourse on the foundations of mindfulness if one takes a very liberal view because it does concern the body and the foundations of mindfulness are very much concerned with, as I've mentioned before, with the attention on the body. We have many opportunities through this method to gain insight. We also have the opportunity to gain calm. Any method worth its name of meditation method needs to be working in both ways. Because essentially, and in the final analysis, the path moment, which is what we are working for, whether we know it or not, is a moment of complete calm. So any meditation method needs to work in both directions. So this one does too. In this particular way, which I have led you through now, it is more designed for insight than for calm. We will go through it once more in a few days in a little different manner, which is then more designed for calm. So we'll talk about the insights which could possibly arise 
from this way of doing it. The most important one which arises and which will be invaluable in daily life is that we need not react to sensations or feelings. We do, of course, but we need not do it. They just are, and they also disappear again. And they disappear very profoundly if we take our attention off them. Now, this is something which has to come to the fore in this method without a doubt. If there's a poking or stabbing feeling in the left shoulder and I take my attention down the back, I don't know a thing that's happening in the left shoulder unless I'm clinging to the poking, stabbing feeling, which we are all prone to do. And then, of course, I react to it with dislike. I don't like those poking, stabbing feelings. I like to get rid of them. But all I really have to do is drop them and go somewhere else with my attention. Now, this is, this method does it for us in a more, more or less automatic way. Naturally, we have to use our mindfulness, our attention, and our concentration in order to drop and go. And that's why I've used those words so many times. Drop it, go to the next spot. So, in daily life, we don't just get poking, stabbing feelings, which are sensations. We get lots of poking, stabbing emotions. And all we have to do is drop it and go somewhere else with our attention. Now, obviously, it's easily said and difficult to do. However, if we practice in this manner, it becomes a habit. It becomes so habitual that we wouldn't be dreaming of doing anything else. We've been doing it a long time in the meditation process, so why do anything else in daily living? It works in the meditation, but it's a matter of time and a matter of patience with oneself. It doesn't work overnight. However, it is very um, helpful and hopeful to know that there is such a thing as dropping and letting go. It can be done. We're doing it. We couldn't meditate if we didn't, if we didn't do it unless we drop whatever it is that's arising, we can't possibly go to the next spot. This is non-reaction to sensation and emotion. And as we practice and learn it through this meditation method, it becomes part of our inner makeup. And what do we learn from it? We learn the crown jewel of all emotions, equanimity. And again, a word of caution, never to be confused with indifference. Indifference is very cold and hard and detrimental to one's own well-being. But equanimity is the epitome of all emotions one of the seven factors of enlightenment. Obviously, when it's a factor of enlightenment, we have already perfected it. But since we all have some of that available to us, 
we can practice it. If we didn't have any of these faculties within, we couldn't practice them. If we didn't have a seed in the garden, it's useless to water it and cultivate the soil around it. Nothing is going to grow. But the seeds are there. We just have to know where to put our attention, which seeds are the valuable ones, and how to do the watering and the fertilizing and the weed pulling. As soon as we know that, something does happen. Whether it's major or minor depends upon our effort, our strength, and the time we devote to it. So possibly the most valuable insight which arises through this method is the fact that emotions and sensations are just emotions and sensations, and that's all. They do not require a reaction. We may choose to react. Okay, something may happen in our life where we say, well, look, this is going one step too far. I'm either getting out of the way or I have to let somebody know that this isn't happening the way it should. That's fine. It's a choice but it's no longer a compulsion. When we haven't practiced, we compulsively react to our emotions. When we don't have that compulsion anymore, but make the choices, our reaction will also be on the basis of equanimity, because we choose. We say, all right, this time I'll do something. And as we practice this method, more and more, and practices, of course, also in daily living, it becomes easier and easier. And in the end, one couldn't imagine not doing it because it is a basis for an inner feeling of ease, an inner feeling of harmonious living with <coughs> oneself. Never mind what the rest of the world is doing. They may never wake up to the fact that there's something happening. That's all right. The Buddha couldn't make the whole world enlightened. There were lots of people who were not only objecting to him, but abusing him and even backbiting all sorts of um, reactions. And the same thing happened to Jesus. So why shouldn't it happen to us? It all depends on what we do with it. Another thing which is very valuable because of this method or through this method is the actual experience of the four primary elements which I have already mentioned to you and explained to you. But here we get a personal experience of them, the solidity of the earth element, <coughs> the warmth of the fire element, the movement of the air element, and the... Um, 
liquidity of the water element, such as we find in, for instance, the saliva. We can also feel, possibly, the connectedness of the tissue, which is water element. Having had this personal experience of the elements, it makes it easier to use them as an insight meditation to obtain an inner realization of the interconnectedness and the totality experience of all physical phenomena of which we are one physical phenomena, a human being. They're all one and the same. And we will have the benefit through that inside meditation method to feel less threatened. People feel very much threatened by their environment, which is not always benign. That's just part of nature. People feel threatened by the environment containing other human beings, which are certainly not always benign. But when we feel the totality of the physical manifestation and know in ourselves that we are ourselves not always benign, then that feeling threatened disappears. We feel part of it all. Feeling threatened occasions fear. And as it does that, as it brings fear, we feel contracted. Fear, fear contracts. And it becomes a vicious circle because of the alienation and threat that we experience, the fear arises, the contraction arises, which makes it even more threatening and more alienated and more fearful. And in the end, people do not like to contact strangers. And who is a stranger? A stranger is just somebody we haven't talked to yet. That's all. The minute we talk to them, where is the stranger? The human being physically consisting of the four primary elements. That's all. That particular experience in this method does help to have this as another possibility for insight meditation. There are many ways of getting at insight. And I'm trying to show you some of those. Certainly not all of them. It would take too, too long. <laughs> the other extremely valuable experience gained through this method is the, the experience of anicca, impermanence. Nothing could be more impermanent than a sensation or an emotion when done in this more or less organized manner. It comes, it's there, and it disappears. 
for the simple reason that it was either very short-lived anyway, or we've taken our attention off it. Now, the taking attention of it is up to us ourselves. So we are in control there. And this is what makes it valuable to use in daily life. And from it we see that none of the sensations, unless we cling to them, and none of the emotions, unless we cling to them, have any real substance to them. There's nothing there which says, look at me, that's me. It's only a mental formation which says, this is my emotion, this is my sensation. If that mental formation does not arise, but the mental formation of this is just a sensation, this is just a feeling, this is just an emotion, then it has arisen and it is allowed to pass away. So not only do we recognize the impermanence of it all, it may actually induce us to investigate further to see whether we can find anything within that's permanent. Now, every time I suggest that, I invariably get the answer, sure, there's nothing permanent. But surely that's not enough, is it? I mean, I'm sure I could ask the postman and he'd say the same thing. And he's right. But it doesn't do any good, does it? We still get upset when things happen which we don't want to happen. So when we want to know the reality of impermanence, we've got to investigate. So this particular method of seeing how impermanence, the sensations, the emotions are, then can bring us to another investigation of trying to see anything within that we could put our finger on and say, aha, that's me. But it's got to be done, not just understood. Sure, you've got to first understand it. If you don't, we can't do it. That's quite right. But we've got to do it. Go inside and find anything which is beyond the five aggregates, body, sense contact, feeling, perception, and mental formation, anything other than that, and then see whether that's called me. This is an insight meditation method, very much supported through understanding the impermanence of sensation and feeling in this method. But from it, after having gone through the body, we can go to this investigation. The five aggregates. Anything else to be found? Anything in there at all that has M-E written on it or in Technicolor or whatever? Where is it? What is it? What's its name? How does it behave? This particular type of investigation, which is inside meditation, which rightly has the name of Vipassana Bhavana, and nothing else does have that name rightly, Bhavana meaning meditation, Vipassana meaning insight. All these methods 
when we investigate our own inner self, can be called this vipassana bhavana, that can bring a change in perception. And when we change our perception, we obviously change our reactions. There's no way we can keep the same reactions if we've changed our perception. And if we're not totally satisfied with our daily and weekly and monthly and yearly reactions, we might like to change our perception in order to change our reactions. It's really quite simple, but it takes doing. And it takes a diligent effort, and to have to do it over and over again, unfortunately, until it becomes so much part of one's being that it is impossible to fall out of it. Most people need years for that. But every step on the way is already a gain. And we can see that gain very quickly. So we have the non-reaction, we have the impermanence in this method, and we have the four primary elements. Now we also have a purification system which is not only based on the fact of concentration. That, of course, is always there. Wherever we concentrate, when, whenever sorry, we concentrate, there is a factor of purification because we can say that one moment of concentration is one moment of purification. At that time, we can't have any negativities in the mind. However, here there is another additional factor. I think you know very well that our emotions do settle in the body. I think everybody in America knows that by now. I don't think that's a secret anymore. And we've had plenty of these emotions ever since we arrived in this world and were clad in a diaper. And we've been having these emotions regularly all the time, as very often as reactions. And many of them have been, of course, unwholesome, impure. That's the way it is for human beings. Now, those that were particularly strong settled into the body particularly strong. And while we wash this body every day, once or twice or even more, and are very keen on having it clean and nice and wash these clothes and are keen to have them clean, there is no way we can get inside this body with soap and water and clean it up. It just doesn't work. It would be nice if it did. It would be much simpler, but it doesn't do that. So while we are cleaning the outside, what are we doing? We're cleaning one-sixteenth of an inch of skin. And surely we are all much more than just skin. And yet, we can't get at it unless we meditate. So this particular method 
particularly when it arouses the emotion and we are able to let go, has a cleaning facility embedded in it. But also when it's just a sensation. Because the sensations are also the residue of our emotions and particularly the unpleasant sensations. The unpleasant sensations arise from our tensions, and we know that very well. Get tense in the traffic out there, which I can't see how anybody would not get tense in it, and your shoulders uh, curl up and your forehead creases and the whole thing becomes most unpleasant. So we have all these um, experiences ourselves. Let's say we become unhappy, so what happens? Unhappy is an emotion, and then the face screws up and the tears start running, and uh, we, we look uh, pretty um, unpleasant, and we feel unpleasant. So the unhappiness of the emotion shows itself in crying or in frowning or in uh, um, changing our face in such a manner that everybody can see we're unhappy. So our physical reaction to our mental emotion is um, immediate and uh, there's nothing we can do about it. As long as we have the uh, unprofitable emotion, we will have the unprofitable reaction in the body. But we can certainly clean them out. And as we clean them out, we can also have eventually lesser unprofitable, less unprofitable emotions and therefore less unprofitable reactions in the body. So as we still have a residue of them from all these years in the past, by becoming aware of the sensation of the emotion and letting go of it, we are doing a clean-up which in some cases has to be done many times because the sensation or the emotion is so deeply embedded that we're only getting at the surface of it. That's fine. It doesn't matter. Some of them we may be able to get rid of immediately by just going through once because they are only superficial tensions and stresses. Others that are deeper need to be done over and over. Naturally, new ones arise. So, this is like a mental shower. And I would like to suggest to you that in the future, when you're at home, you do this at least once a day. And it can be much quicker than what we did it here. We took an hour. It's not necessary to take that long. That comes because I'm describing, then trying to figure out whether I've described enough, then doing it myself, and then again thinking, has everybody finished? Yes, okay. And then I'll go on with it. So it takes far longer than as if you were to do it by yourselves. Now, while you're here in the course, I'd like everybody to do this 
one in the morning at least. Those of you who have already been able to concentrate well enough to get the foot in the door of this eight-room mansion, please continue what you're doing and what I've told you to do. But do this method once every morning, either first or second session. Those of you whose concentration is still weak, use this. It helps the concentration. You don't need to use it in every session unless you want to. It's up to you. You can use it in such a way. You start out with loving kindness to yourself. Do the sweep. If there's still time left, go to the breath. Or do the sweep again. If you do it a second time and the bell rings before you're finished, from the spot where you are finishing, quickly go out through the feet or the hands, whichever is nearer, in order to give it a sort of a ending, not just breaking off in the middle somewhere. If you feel that this is helping you with your concentration, just do it. If you feel that your concentration is weak, but this one doesn't help you either, do both. Do the sweep first and then the breath. But again, those of you who've got your foot in the door of the eight-room mansion, do it once in the morning like a mental shower, like a clean-up that we can only do mentally because these sensations have been put in there mentally. So they've got to be removed mentally. And if you do it more often, you will also find that there's a certain relief in the body. It may take a while if the unpleasant sensations are deeply rooted, but usually we can feel some sort of relief very quickly. And then those of you who only do it once in the morning, please continue with what I told you to do. The method has all these benefits that I have outlined to you. And because it is the second foundation of mindfulness, Vedana, feeling, Vedana Nupasana, mindfulness of feeling, it also helps us to get in touch with our feelings in case we have any trouble with that. And it is not um, uncommon that people do have problems with getting in touch with their feelings. Why is that? In this case, it means emotions. And I like to distinguish between sensation and emotion so that we know that both are feeling, but one is physical and one is mental. And why are we having trouble in getting in touch with our emotions? Because some of them are so unpleasant, we don't want to know about them. That, of course, is an ostrich policy. We're sticking our head in the sand. We don't want to know of the danger that's approaching. That's what the ostrich does. It runs along the desert in Africa, and when some danger comes, it sticks its head in the sand. 
that doesn't do us any good at all. What we need is exactly what we do in this method. We need to become aware, know it, not react to it, and let go of it. Now, if it's a very unpleasant emotion, such as fear or dislike, uh, hate or ill will, anxiety, any of these, envy or jealousy, the reason we don't want to know about them is we think they're going to make us more unhappy if we know about them. But this is a totally wrong way of looking at it. They're there within us, whether we acknowledge them or not. And they continue to make us unhappy until we finally let go of them. So the only way to deal with them properly is to become aware of them and then see what we can do about them. To not acknowledge them is much more detrimental to our well-being. And, of course, we can feel that physically also. So this helps us to get in touch with them because the sensations very often arouse the emotion that has some connection with that sensation. Now, we don't have to interrogate the uh, happening in any detailed manner. Why does this particular sensation bring up this particular emotion? That has no bearing on it. It just does. And because it has done so, in an automatic way, we had to become aware of it. And that way, we find it easier then to acknowledge our emotions. So this is another benefit we can get from this particular method. Now, at this point in time, I'd like to ask several questions of you in order to help you along with this method. The first question is, did anybody feel nothing at all on the top of the head, the first spot we went to? But you're a miracle class, huh? (laughs) Did you or not? A little. Well, very slight good enough. It doesn't have to be much. Okay. Did anybody not feel anything in the chest area? Wonderful. <laughs> very unusual. <laughs> anybody not feel anything in the back? Well, that's more common people do feel something there. But the chest area is very common that somebody doesn't feel a thing. The chest. Yes. But did you feel something in most of the spots or only in a few spots? Blank spots. Okay. Lots of them or just a few? 50%. Okay. In that case, use use a different way of doing it next time when you do it on your own. Um, Use strips. Start on the left shoulder, take a strip which is something like, what, two inches wide, doesn't have to be exact, and go from the shoulder down to the waist and up again and down again and up again, which means four times. Down, up, down, up. 
along the same strip, then to the next strip until you reach this side. A more uh, detailed way of doing it, and most likely the uh, remaining 50% will come to live at least to 30%. And as it does that, then the next time, if you do it, when you do it again, you might like to go back to the spots or whichever way you feel more comfortable to do it. But just start with with the strips one time and see what that does. Okay. Um, Did anybody feel any nausea? That's very good. Somebody else? That's very good. That's like taking the garbage out in heaps. That's what we call an excellent reaction. You might think it's awful, but it's excellent. What happens is this, because of this um, continuous accumulation of our unprofitable emotions and thereby sensations, we have accumulated a heap of um, unwholesome obstructions within us, which show themselves in physical unpleasantness, but also in emotional unpleasantness. We don't feel so good. And when we don't feel so good, we are looking for something that made us not feel so good. But actually, we don't even have to look. It's just in there. And as we do this method, and there is a nauseous feeling the first time, it hardly ever repeats itself. It hardly ever comes again. It's like a removal of a great deal of this accumulation in there in one, in just in one go. Did it come when you came down to this area here, to the um, uh, black stomach area? Sorry? Uh-huh. And how long did that stay? Oh, you got it up there. Oh, that's interesting. That's a new one. <laughs> Uh-huh. You came again, but it went again. Okay, right. Really? That's the right side. That's the one where you were hurt. Yeah. Okay. Um, was it very strongly nauseous or mildly? Was strong. Okay, Um, having it that strongly, it may come again. But please be aware of the fact that it's an excellent way of cleaning the whole mess out because it was in so many different spots. That's why it may come again, okay? How was yours? In the stomach area? Mm -hmm. And mildly or strongly? Oh, my God. And you stayed, and you stayed. Very admirable. Well, as soon as I would start sitting, it would go. And as soon as I was sitting, it would come. I would get to that area. I've never heard of anybody, that's the first time, 
and I've been teaching for 16 or 17 years now, that I went through a nauseous feeling for 10 days. I mean, I don't, you know, I don't have so many students from other courses, but in my own course, it's never happened. I've had people have it twice. I've had one woman three times. Hmm? Like a stomach ache. No, nauseous is more like I want to vomit. Right, and that's what you had today? Yeah. Like a stomach ache. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and it's mild. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, okay, next time when it comes up again, and it's not the nausea, it's more stomach ache, when it comes up again, go to that spot, investigate very, very clearly what it feels like, and then very deliberately drop it by going to the next spot. Make a very deliberate um, mental formation of letting go of it. And you might have to do it several times, I mean, by going through. Yeah, yeah. And if it's, if it's still in your awareness, go back to it, drop it again, and go to the other spot. Give it extra attention, in other words. Okay? And if that doesn't help, then... Go to the spot when you are at that area and you still get that stomach ache and go out through the skin. Like we go from the fingertips out, go from here out to the, through the skin out and see if that helps. You can do that five times in a row and see if it helps. Okay? Right. Yes? I'm very susceptible to motion sickness and when it first starts, I'll Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a re- that's also a residue, a residual accumulation of your uh, motion sickness, which is of course also uh, very often psychological, and um, not always, I think, but very often. Sorry. Ah, yes. Uh-huh. So that also, if you get that and you can let go of it, that may actually improve also on the motion sickness. It may. No guarantees. <coughs> okay, any other questions on the thing? Yeah. Uh, when you do it on your own, do you think you spend like equal time on your whole body or it becomes an area of your You always do the whole body, and you spend a little more time in an area where you don't get any awareness of sensation. In other words, if you come, let's say, to come to a spot here, and you just can't feel a thing, um, stay a little longer, see if anything arises in your awareness. If it doesn't, keep going. It's like having an asbestos glove on and putting your hand on a hot stove. It takes a little longer to get the sensation of hot. So, um, but if you come to an area where you're very aware of the sensation, notice it, drop it, go to the next spot. Don't uh, spend time on it because that's again being, can, can come to a clinging and an attachment to it because it's more interesting. At least there's something happening now.
Okay, so only when there's nothing, you stay a little longer. No, no, that's a sensation. But sometimes people come to a spot and, and they, they don't even know that they're there. I have no idea what's happening. And you have to stay a moment longer. Okay? Yes. Uber Kin method. I should think so. <laughs> no. I only I only comment, you know, quite deliberately for the people who are, you know, in my courses and you know, can I can't comment for someone who has another teacher. Oh, sure, of course. I mean, it's uh, obviously not a good state to be. 3,000 mind moments in the blink of an eyelid. <laughs> Thank you. So there's no, you just have to be aware of it, I guess. Or, yeah. I, mean, every, I can't just say drop it with some things, you know, obviously. Yeah. What you need to do is to be aware of the fact that uh, the mind is switching back and forth, is not being one-pointed, and to try and make it more one-pointed, that's all. Um, as The ones you can't drop are the ones that are very strong. Is that what you're saying? Very strong yeah, sensation. Yeah, yeah. I kept waiting for finding where it was with some of these feelings, and I didn't quite find the spot. <laughs> are you saying the emotion or the sensation? Yeah, the emotional. All right. But if you were aware of a certain emotion for the whole time... Well, it's not... Yeah, it would be in certain areas of the body. Well, if you're aware of a certain emotion for the whole time, then the mind was definitely constantly going back and forth. Okay. Constantly. So that is something you need to become aware of. Uh, it's very important to become aware of that so that you can actually go through in this manner, which means the letting go process, right? Because otherwise the emotions, uh, we, don't, we don't have the benefit of being able to let go of emotion, right? Okay. Yes.
it's much better to do your meditation sitting up because lying down is an in invitation for having another nap. So um, if one can sit up, it's better to do it. Is there any physical reasons why it's necessary to lie down? Yes, certainly one can do it lying down. If one has any difficulty falling asleep in the evening, if you do this, you're definitely going to fall asleep. So it can be done lying down, certainly, in order to, f to have a, a peaceful sleep. In the morning, it's much better to sit up. Yeah. Yeah, but you were not supposed to go onto the whole trunk. You were supposed to go spot by spot. I could do a few of those spots. <laughs> as opposed to what the head was. It would be beneath my sternum, but it's a smaller area. And you were more easily uh, attentive to, but you were still were supposed to do it piece by piece, I mean spot by spot. This, this method is called piece by piece. <coughs> when you were going through the chest, were you only aware of a few spots? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. Well, then, if you do it again, you should do it in the stru uh, st uh, strips, as I've just explained, because uh, the rest of them will probably come to life. Okay, that's okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's okay. If you get the sensation, the visualization is uh, all right. Some people only visualize and don't get any sensation or feeling. Of course, that's totally counterproductive. Has anybody done that? Visualizing and no feeling or sensation. Well, you're actually a model class, aren't you? <laughs> 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 In the heels. Okay, it doesn't matter next. Yes, it's fine. If you have the sensation, visualization is fine. It's another help. Yes? But no, some people are not visualizing sensations because that's a bit of a difficult thing to do. You can't visualize a sensation. You can only think a sensation. Is that what you're saying? Thinking a sensation? Yeah. People are visualizing their pieces of the body. They, they, they don't know. They don't feel a thing. And then they visualize the left upper arm. They say, oh, yeah, left upper arm. They don't even visualize it here where it actually is. They visualize it somewhere, you know, left upper arm. And, of course, they can't get any sensation because it isn't their left upper arm. It's just a picture of it. No. No, no, that's a visualization. What you're saying, I think, is a thinking of a sensation rather than a feeling of it. Yeah. Okay. When you, if you know that you're doing it and then actually go to the spot to feel it, that's fine. Mm. So 
The method also includes going into the spine on its own. And uh, I used to um, lead people through that, but um, then lately I haven't done it anymore because I didn't think it was that valuable. But it certainly includes that, yes. That's uh, in the back or in the front. Oh, right. Yeah. Yes, that's fine. Th- that's, that's okay. I mean, as long as it's sensation, that's fine. Um, I, 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 I haven't done this uh, anymore with the, uh, with the spine specifically. I didn't, uh, it didn't seem to produce much <laughs> in most people. Did uh, anyone have, besides sensation, also emotion coming up? Well, you said already you did, yes. And you did, right. And uh, unpleasant? <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Um, what did you do with them? Were you able to drop them? You were able to drop it. Ah, right. Well, fear is a human condition, you know. And uh, fear is uh, probably the most common emotion that is our, besets us. And uh, the reason is that uh, we are, I mean, people say they're afraid of the dark or they're afraid of dogs or they're afraid of uh, um, uh, high places or they're afraid of... Uh, going in airplanes, but that's all just uh, pinpointing one small area of what people are afraid of. What we are actually afraid of is annihilation. We don't want to be annihilated, and that means we're afraid of physically dying, but we're also afraid of emotionally dying. And uh, so we are constantly afraid that this uh, ego that we have built up, this me illusion, is going to get knocked about somehow or other. And so we're trying to protect it, and this is where the fear comes from, and it can be strong. And But as soon as it's recognized as such, and that's why I'm saying it in this way, uh, we can actually look at it with a little more equanimity and eventually look at it with a smile on our face, that it's arising again, and it's the same thing all over again. And one day, of course, the ego can get smaller and the fear gets smaller. You want the story? No, what I said was this. It's not necessary to connect the sensation to the emotion. In other words, you might feel a poke in your left shoulder and grief comes up. So you don't have to now try to investigate why the poke and the grief came in the left shoulder. It doesn't matter, right? Um, 
when the grief comes up, the most important thing to do is to drop it. That's the most important. There's nothing more important than that. Then if it does come again and again and again, in the same, in the method, right? Then one can spend some time inquiring into it. But it ha the inquiry has to be totally without rejection, and it has to be a totally without a um, sting behind it. It's just, you know, inquiring. And then, again, asking the, the answer that comes up, another, making it another question. But the main thing is first to give it a chance, three, four, five, six times by doing this, to be dropped. And then if it still isn't dropped, then one can do some inquiry and then write a book about it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Did you have your hand up? No. Okay. Huh? But you had your hand up for emotion, didn't you? Yeah. Okay. Right. Okay. Uh, did anybody have pleasant, pleasant sensation? Or pleasant sensation? Um, the pleasant sensation that uh, you already know about from your concentration meditation, okay. And that's what I mean. Do the thing, uh, do this method once in the morning to get the purification and then go back to the calm meditation, okay. Yes. Mm. Yes, yes. They, they, that's uh, you had a you had a connection there between the back and yeah. Yes, it, it's a very helpful and um, a, a very um, releasing sort of method of meditation. It's um, some claims that are made for it that maybe some of you have heard are certainly not what the Buddha claimed. But it certainly is a very helpful method. It's, um, it does not clear out old karma, but it clears out old sensations and old emotions. It does that. So any other question on that, on the method or anything else? Yes. About destiny. Um, destiny. Destiny. Yes, sorry. <laughs> If it does, it's not being done right, is it? <laughs> the, uh, have you had pleasant sensation in the meditation? Okay. I have said more than once already in these few days, and I'll probably be saying it many times again, that at the end of your meditation practice, when you've had the first entry into the meditative absorption, which brings extremely pleasant sensation, at the end you must see the impermanence of them. And I have already explained why that is more important to see it than seeing the impermanence of unpleasant sensations, because we're very glad when they are impermanent. If you see the impermanence of the pleasant sensation, you will get 
through inference, a personal insight into what impermanence actually means, how it has the bearing on our whole being. And therefore, you have an insight possibility through having become calm. Because one thing which I haven't mentioned yet, but will mention now at this point, is the fact that only a calm mind can get real insight. A disturbed mind, an anxious mind, um, a dis distracted mind, a contracted mind cannot possibly get real insight. It can get insights which are, um, well, we usually call them baby insights, but it cannot get the depth of insights because it doesn't have the yelling of it. It's like as if you have a pot on the stove which you want to make a pudding. And if you just put the water in there and the powder for the pudding and you just put it on there, you don't put the heat on, you don't stir it, you just let it sit there, nothing happens. You never get a solid pudding. But if you put the heat on and you stir it long enough and you stay with it, you get solidity. It's the same in the mind. Only the calm mind is solid, and only that kind of mind gets real insight. So after having been calm and having had the pleasantness which induces one to stay with it, which is only the first step of eight, and it's only the entry into the house, it isn't really anything yet, then the mind at least has enough calmness and enough solidity to see impermanence in a little deeper way than just the postman saying, sure, everything is impermanent. I mean, who doesn't know that, you know? And I mean, we are just like the postman. We just say, yeah, sure, everything is impermanent. But when you have a mind which is totally clear of thought and only full of experience, and then experience impermanence, it should make an entirely different impact on the mind. And then attachment becomes impossible. 